0: From the 1970s until the end of the Cold War, the United States government, through the CIA, funded, trained, and supplied a vast network of right-wing death squads throughout South America. Working on behalf of the U.S.-supported dictatorships that rose in a series of coups throughout the Cold War, these terrorist groups led organized campaigns of kidnapping, torture, and assassination. Their victims, which included not only communists, indigenous leaders, leftists, and union members, but also nuns, university professors, artists, students, and social workers, would eventually come to be known, at least in Argentina, where such repression was especially common as los desparacidos, the disappeared. Collectively, these international campaigns of terror, coordinated between six nations in South America, are called Operation Condor. In its wake, it's estimated that Condor killed as many as 80,000 people and imprisoned 400,000 more. You're listening to Hidden History. I'm Ellis Tucci, and this is episode 115, Los Desparacidos. Hidden History is always available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and www.hiddenhistory.show. If you like this episode, then consider subscribing or sharing with a friend. This episode is a little bit of a follow-up to number 113. As you hear more about Operation Condor, I think you'll notice some similarities from Operation Gladio. Not only are these both cases of CIA-funded far-right terrorism, but occasionally you'll come across some of the same characters. Stefano Della Chiaia, a Gladio agent, founder of Avanguardia Nazionale, and member of Ordine Nuovo, helped organize a coup in Bolivia as a part of Operation Condor. Small world. So, let's get on to the show. Normally, this is where I'd say that the easiest place to start is at the beginning, but here, that's not necessarily true. When talking about Operation Condor, we have to contextualize it in the history of United States intervention in South America. That is to say, that this doesn't come out of nowhere. America has a very long history of meddling south of the equator. Its first interventions began with Chile in 1811, In 1823, we get the Monroe Doctrine, which says that any European action in South America would be seen as a direct threat to the United States. Soon after, there would be companies of Marines that specialized in the long-term occupation of South and Central American countries. In 1904, we get the Roosevelt Corollary, which said that the United States would enforce any European claims in South America in place of the Europeans themselves. And after that, like I covered in episode 98, we get dozens of American invasions across the continent to ensure the cheap and steady flow of bananas, giving rise to the term Banana Republic. So, this is definitely nothing new. Operation Condor was a natural outgrowth of the imperial ambitions of the United States, In its drive to control South America and let it be ravaged by corporate interests, it was only a matter of time before a wide network of officially sanctioned state terror was needed to keep people in line. So now that we have a little bit of context, let's go deeper. The main participants in Operation Condor were Uruguay, Paraguay, Bolivia, Brazil, Argentina, and Chile. Those were the six nations I referenced earlier. There was also intermittent participation from Colombia, Peru, and Venezuela, which means that we're talking about an operation that essentially touches all of South America here. Though Operation Condor wouldn't truly begin until 1975, the seeds were planted as far back as the 1950s. 1954 marked the ascension of a new generation of repressive American-backed dictator with the execution of a successful coup by Paraguay's Alfredo Stroessner, who I'll talk about in a bit. Ten years later, a military coup supported by the United States overthrew the left-wing president of Brazil, João Goulart, eventually replacing him with a high-ranking officer named Castelo Branco who quickly laid out the foundations for a repressive military dictatorship that would last for 21 years. In 1971, with gratuitous help from the Nixon administration, a far-right strong man named Hugo Banzer overthrew the leftist president of Bolivia, Juan José Torres, and ruled with violence and terror for seven years. On June 27th, 1973, a joint civilian-military coup in Uruguay dissolved Parliament and effectively suspended the Constitution and all civil liberties. On September 11th, 1973, General Augusto Pinochet overthrew the socialist president of Chile, Salvador Allende. The final dictatorship to rise was the government of Jorge Rafael Videla, who seized control of Argentina on March 24th, 1976. By that time, Operation Condor was already in full swing. Now, colloquially, Condor usually refers to all of the violence from this era. But in a very strict sense, Project Condor was only the international-level collaboration between secret police groups. When it was officially organized under Chile's Pinochet on November 25th, 1975, it referred to the establishment of a communications network with which the participating dictatorships could easily exchange information that could be used to crush dissent. For its part, the United States funded the creation of this network, providing the military governments with advanced computers, significant funding, and access to American telecommunications infrastructure. Another significant way that the United States helped was through training in the tactics of repression. American agents taught these military men how to torture. One of these teachers was Klaus Barbie, the infamous butcher of Lyon, who personally tortured prisoners for the Gestapo in occupied France. This new intelligence-sharing community proved incredibly effective at clamping down on civil liberties and ramping up terror across the continent. A year later, in 1976, the scope of Operation Condor expanded in a gruesome new way. Instead of just sharing intelligence amongst themselves, the secret police forces of these nations would now have permission to operate in each other's countries, to kidnap and kill those who may have fled abroad. Extrajudicial killings and disappearances continued to rise. All of this was conducted with the full knowledge and support of the United States. That same year, decrepit ghoul Henry Kissinger, who was at the time Secretary of State under Gerald Ford, acknowledged in memos the nature of Operation Condor and its recent expansion into international political assassination. He didn't care. Or rather, I suppose that's somewhat inaccurate to say, because he did care. He was for it. He threw the full support of the United States behind the Condor dictatorships. On October 5th, 1976, he met with Admiral Cesar Augusto Guzzetti, the foreign minister of Argentina, and said, Look, our basic attitude is that we would like you to succeed. I have an old-fashioned view that friends ought to be supported. The quicker you succeed, the better. Making veiled reference to the open secret that the group of dictators had been planning the open and systemic assassination of political opponents, he said, If there are things that have to be done, you should do them quickly. Kissinger gave his blessing, as a matter of fact, just after their most recent foray into international assassination made the headlines. A few days earlier, on September 21, 1976, Orlando Letelier, a Chilean exile, socialist, and former diplomat under Salvador Allende, was assassinated by a car bomb in Washington, D.C. Under orders from Pinochet, an American, Michael Townley, planted plastic explosives under the Letelier family car. On the morning of September 21st, he drove with his co-worker, Ronnie Moffat, and her husband, Michael, to the Institute of Policy Studies, a think tank where they worked. When they reached their destination at Sheridan Circle, the bomb detonated, severing both of Letelier's legs and killing him almost instantly. Ronnie Moffat was struck in the neck by a piece of shrapnel and drowned in her own blood. Her husband, Michael, was the only survivor. Five days before Letelier was assassinated, Kissinger canceled a memo to the Chilean government instructing them not to kill political opponents, which is a little bit of fishy timing, if you ask me. So it's really no surprise that Kissinger still gave his approval of this new round of expanded assassination, torture, and terror. So now that we have A bit of the general form of Operation Condor, I want to talk a little bit about how Condor played out in two different countries, Paraguay and Argentina. But before that, there's something important to note here specifically about Chile. The United States had a vested interest in supporting these military dictatorships. Not only did they murder all the communists, but they also opened up their countries for looting by American corporations privatizing public utilities, selling off infrastructure, granting incredibly favorable terms for large landowners, and handing out exorbitant no-bid contracts to American corporations. In this way, not only did these countries become American client states, but they became the testing ground for a new school of economic thought based around deregulation, privatization, and austerity. Neoliberalism. Famously, the University of Chicago, known for its ultra-capitalist economic thinkers, sent a coterie of economic advisors, including the dubious Milton Friedman, to help Augusto Pinochet pick apart the economy of Chile. The economists themselves, known as the Chicago Boys, called it the Chilean Miracle. But that belies the reality that the primary beneficiaries of the Chilean miracle were American corporations and the wealthy collaborator class. Life for the poor got precipitously worse. So now, Paraguay. In 1954, the incumbent president, Federico Chavez, announced a plan to militarize the Paraguayan police force. This was a problem. Traditionally, the ability to affect violence was the sole domain of the armed forces, and eliminating the military's monopoly on armed force would significantly reduce the power and leverage it had in government. To make matters worse, this increase in the police budget would come at the expense of the military. Such a proclamation couldn't stand. And so on May 4th, 1954, the military flooded the streets and overwhelmed the police. Chavez resigned the next day. Alfredo Streisner, head of the army, rose up to take his place. He immediately declared what's called a state of siege, a legislative qualification that allowed him to suspend all civil rights, including the ability to assemble and protest. In 1958, in a huge upset, he won the presidential election in which he was the sole candidate, and would proceed to rule uninterrupted for 35 years. Streisner stayed in power by virtue of extreme political repression. Disappearances were common. The audio from torture sessions was often recorded and sent to the families of the victims. According to court testimony, Miguel Solar, the secretary of the Paraguayan Communist Party, was dismembered with a chainsaw while Streisner listened on the phone. Under his direction, the military carried out a near-total genocide of the indigenous population, forcing thousands of the survivors into slavery. His fall from grace came on February 3rd, 1989, just after winning his eighth consecutive term, when he was overthrown in another military coup masterminded by Andres Rodriguez, who would go on to assume the office of the president. Stroessner fled the country and lived in exile for 17 years before dying in Brazil in 2006, having faced no punishment for his crimes. In 1976, a coup by Argentinian military leaders overthrew President Isabel Perón, wife of the recently deceased movement politician and previous president Juan Perón. They created a regime characterized by its brutality. Being suspected of harboring leftist sympathies was enough to get you kidnapped and tortured by government death squads, the most notable being the Argentine Anti-Communist Alliance, or AAA. Those who were disappeared were often taken on what are called death flights, which was when the military flew planes full of prisoners into the middle of the ocean and threw them out. In Argentina, it's called the Dirty War. The secret police targeted anyone who could potentially pose a threat. Journalists, members of the clergy, students, and at every opportunity met them with overwhelming force to serve as a lesson to others. Pregnant women were abducted, and upon giving birth, their children were stolen from them and given to military families who supported the regime. Groups seen as potentially dangerous were held in a massive network of hundreds of concentration camps and subjected to brutal torture that often involved sexual sadism. All of this, of course, was done with America's full knowledge and approval. I'll remind you of Kissinger's earlier quote, If there are things that have to be done, you should do them quickly. In the face of increasing resistance by the people of Argentina, as well as the disastrous Falklands War of 1982, the dictatorship came to an end in 1983. In 1985, the trial of the Juntas prosecuted members of the administration after investigating the depth of their crimes. In the end, in Argentina alone, around 30,000 people were disappeared. The leadership received their sentences, which I won't mention here because they were all shortly thereafter pardoned. Starting in 1989, President Carlos Menem pardoned all of those prosecuted at the trial of the Junta's, and soon after passed an amnesty law that prevented anyone from the dictatorship from ever being prosecuted at all. In 2005, the Supreme Court declared the laws unconstitutional, and the surviving members of the Junta began to be tried again the following year. The second round of trials was much more successful, and to end on somewhat of a more positive note, a large number of Junta members have been found guilty of crimes against humanity and genocide, and are serving out their life sentences. In 1992, Dr. Martina Almada, a Paraguayan civil rights activist who had been imprisoned by the Streusner dictatorship, made a shocking discovery. Hidden away in an abandoned police station were hundreds of thousands of documents outlining the extent of extrajudicial killings, abductions, and torture during the Condor years. The Archives of Terror, as they came to be known, contained files on Condor's victims across South America and confirmed the consent and participation of the CIA, which until that time had not been a provable allegation. The last of the Condor dictatorships to fall was that of Augusto Pinochet in 1990. As a part of the Chilean transition to democracy, he remained commander-in-chief of the armed forces until 1998. He later lived in exile in the United Kingdom, where he was kept under house arrest in a luxurious country club. In 2000, he returned to Chile and as ex-president was granted immunity from all prosecution. In 2004, the Chilean Supreme Court overturned that immunity, and Pinochet, one of the most brutal and violent of the Condor dictators, began to stand trial for a series of kidnappings and assassinations. Before he could be convicted, he died on December 10th, 2006, at the age of 91. Henry Kissinger, who coordinated and approved this vast network of repression, faced no consequences for his enablement of the ensuing slaughter, just as he faced no consequences for organizing the killing of 2 million civilians during the Vietnam War. He remains, to this day, at the age of 98, an extremely influential force in the foreign affairs of the United States through his consulting firm, Kissinger Associates, which has empowered such luminaries as Paul Bremer, the leader of occupied Iraq from 2003 to 2004, and John Brennan, former director of the CIA. To say that Operation Condor had an impact on the trajectory of South America would be a laughable understatement. This is yet another example of the American government actively working to make the world a worse place. The drive to preserve and protect the ability of corporations to enrich themselves drove the United States to endorse genocides that spanned a continent, to supply and help train for campaigns of violence and repression that tore apart hundreds of thousands of families and directly contributed to the instability that the United States so mockingly scorns today. There are certainly a lot of aspects to this story that I wanted to include but simply didn't have the time. If you'd like to learn more, then check out the sources in the description of this episode, or do some research of your own into the extensive documentation of Operation Condor. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then consider subscribing or sharing with a friend. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.